I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. Today, we discuss the IRS audit process. The thought of being audited by the IRS strikes fear in the hearts of many innocent taxpayers. In today's episode, we break down the audit process in the U.S. and offer some perspective on which taxpayers are most likely to be audited and why. Hello, B. Hello, Lisa. I'm super excited today. We're highlighting a high-profile, A-list celebrities running with the IRS. Can I guess? Yeah. Okay. So you said A-list, so I'm going to assume that you're not talking about Sinbad or Fat Joe, both of whom have been convicted for tax evasion. Okay. That's a very safe assumption because I do not even know who Fat Joe is. Rapper, had that duet with Ashante. What's love got to do? Got to do with it, babe. I like it when you sing. The second part was Fat Joe. Okay, never heard of it. All right, well, he was sentenced to four months in prison for failing to file tax returns or paying tax on over three million of income. Okay, so no, it's not Fat Joe and you're not helping. (laughs) But the person we're talking about today is in the music business. Ja Rule. Who to what? Also had to do out with Ashante, always on time. No? I got nothing. Okay, also also pled guilty to filing tax- no singing? Come on. One more, no, no, no more singing. Very disappointed. I don't even, no, no more singing. We're done, we're done with that. Um, But he also pled guilty to failing to file tax returns and owed over $1 million in unpaid taxes. Okay, so also this other person I haven't heard of, not who we're talking about today. Um, Beyonce, we're talking (gasps) about Beyonce. Yes, Queen Bee herself. All right, this is exciting but I'm worried that it's gonna be a confusing episode for you. (laughs) Why would I be any more confused than I normally am when I'm talking with you? I'm just saying that there's a chance that you might mix us up, right? My nickname is B, her nickname is B, (laughs) we both like Jay-Z. She's a beautiful, talented singer with 32 Grammys. You're a tax professor. I'm thinking I'm gonna be able to keep you two straight. Did you not just hear my beautiful rendition of What's Love? Yes, yes I did. So moving right along. Uh-huh. On April 17th, 2023, Queen Bee filed a petition against the IRS in US tax court. She is disputing their allegation that she owes over $2.2 million in taxes and almost $450,000 in penalties related to her 2018 and 2019 tax returns. So we're using this headline as a good reason to talk about IRS audits. Because only true tax nerds like us could find a way to make Beyonce boring. (laughs) Not boring, not boring at all. Today, we're going to talk about the audit and appeals process in the U.S. Very exciting. Okay, sure. Yes. Uh huh. We're going to discuss who the IRS audits. Also exciting. Not at all boring. No. And we're also going to talk a bit about what the IRS and Ms. Sasha Fierce are fighting over. So would you like to start it off, Professor B? I would. I would. Um, so tax compliance in the U.S. is, I'm going to say, quote unquote, voluntary. Okay, so say more words around that because it's surprising to me to hear that you're calling it voluntary. It's not me. Everybody calls it voluntary, right? Like when you look it up. Is it really voluntary? Because I'm pretty sure that there are court cases showing that it is not voluntary to pay your taxes in the U.S. I guess they, so fair point. I guess they call it voluntary because you are still the one who has to file your tax return. Like people aren't ripping their, 
people aren't putting their hands directly into your bank account. I mean, if you're employed, they kind of are. Yes. But like, I guess in theory, the tax man or tax woman is not coming to your house and like taking tax money away from you. I don't know. I've never gotten it, but it's what people say. Okay, go on. So tax compliance in the U.S. is quote pause voluntary. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that not everyone pays the correct amount of tax, either unintentionally uh, due to some misapplication of the law or some just mistake, mm-hmm. or maybe intentionally because sure. they're trying to be a creep. So the reason we have audits is to help ensure compliance by both correcting those unintentional errors and also identifying that more nefarious behavior. Okay, that all makes sense. The IRS selects taxpayers for audit either randomly based on computer screening or on audits of related taxpayers. So let's break those down. Random audits are just that, completely random, right? Makes sense. And these are important because they help establish what a quote pause normal return in full compliance looks like. These random audits help the IRS establish expectations or guidelines. And if a return falls outside those expectations, then they are better able to flag those returns for audit based on the ones that they selected randomly. Absolutely. So let's say that based on random audits, the IRS expects a married couple with two school-age children that makes about $150,000 as a household would have approximately $4,000 in charitable contributions each year. Okay. So that would be a baseline they established based on random audits. So that if a return filed by a married couple with two school-age children making about $150,000 collectively reported $14,000 in charitable contributions, that might raise a red flag. Okay, that makes sense. Taxpayers could also be selected for audit if their return is somehow related to other taxpayers. So think maybe business partners, for example, and those other taxpayers have been selected for audit. Exactly. So going with the idea that you are the company that you keep, let's say I got flagged for deducting $70,000 on hairstyling. Okay. Which is a tax planning tip I learned from former President Trump. Yes, indeed. If the IRS uncovers this during an audit of me, they might actually come after you because we are business partners and known accomplices. That makes sense in theory until they saw my hair and (laughs) then they would decide. Yeah. Anyway, trouble is the IRS keeps its audit selection algorithm confidential, so it's impossible to know with certainty what will draw an audit. Some things that can raise the likelihood of an audit include reporting crypto transactions, not reporting all of your income, being self-employed, and claiming a home office deduction. So all of those things that you just listed, that tracks as potential reasons why Beyonce is getting audited. The IRS is alleging that she failed to report all of her income. And it's also challenging some of the deductions that she reported related to being self-employed. There's also disagreement over some of her charitable contributions that she reported in 2018, um, that which is related to contributions made in prior years. So these are all really great examples. Let's, let's tackle them, right? Let's start with the potential underreporting of income. All right, so the IRS is alleging that Beyonce did not report all of her royalty income. Taxpayers do that on a form called Schedule E. Okay. And uh, we got to say that these auditors are being very, um, let's say, thorough because the amount that we're talking about here is $1,449 to be exact. Which is like what she spends on chewing gum? I I don't even know, right? Like I can't even, that's the, just nothing. That's the, wrap, the the fancy Gucci wrapper that she spits her chewing gum into, I don't, like that's nothing to her, right? It's nothing. Okay. I mean, it's nothing. So if she's really looking to avoid tax, it's not going to be by failing to report $1,400 of royalty. Right. 
That or she's the so, worst tax planner ever. Ex- exactly. <laughs> <Is it> possible. <laughs> she needs new representation. So the explanation of adjustments provided by the IRS indicates that Beyonce reported only $11 of royalty income, but that the IRS had a total of $1,460 attributable to Beyonce reported to it on Form 1099 miscellaneous. Awesome. Okay. Yes. So we've talked before about how the IRS relies on third-party reporting whenever it can. And it does that to ensure that taxpayers are reporting all of their income. So anytime a party pays at least $10 in royalties to a taxpayer, they're actually required to notify not only the taxpayer, but also the IRS. Yep. The IRS then attempts to match reported amounts to the taxpayer's individual returns. So this could be a case where Beyonce forgot to report some small royalty because as we said, that 1460 is, you know, we could find that in her couch cushions, probably. <laughs> I was going to say we need a better word than trivial. I think couch cushion money is good. I like that. Yeah. Um, or it could be the case where the IRS document that they were trying to match to her tax return isn't getting it right for some reason. So there are also several disagreements over some of the business deductions that Beyonce is claiming on both Schedule E, where she reports her royalties, and also Schedule C, where she's going to report other income from self-employment. Okay. So those two schedules are typically filed by individuals who are at least in some part self-employed. Yes. The IRS wants to disallow over $1 million of deductions on her Schedule C for things like, quote unquote, other expenses and legal and professional services. Um, There's also some small amounts in there for taxes, for management fees, insurance, and depreciation, all reported on Schedule E. Now, if you've heard us talk about taxes before, if you've taken a tax class, all of these things sound totally legitimate, right? Like you should be able, someone like Beyonce should be able to deduct legal and professional fees, management fees, things like that. Right. So those are all completely legit deductions that a self-employed taxpayer can claim against their business or royalty income. In this case, the IRS is questioning whether those expenses were actually paid or incurred during the tax year and whether they were ordinary and necessary. Yes, to all of those things. So for several of these disallowed deductions on Beyonce's return, the IRS states, quote, you did not furnish information to support the deduction. So what does that mean? Taxpayers have to keep receipts or other documentation to substantiate the deductions, including proof that they actually paid them or are legally obligated to pay those amounts. So for example, Professor B can't dummy up an invoice for a million dollars in professional fees and give it to me to support a tax deduction. I would have to provide proof that the expenses were valid and that I actually did pay them and I don't got a million dollars to hand over to my co-host here. And you cannot try to pass off personal expenditures like say, you know, hairstyling for $70,000 as a business executive, as a business related expense to maximize your tax benefit. Totally right. So again, here we're quibbling over, are these actual business expenses? Is she trying to pass off some personal expenses or did she just not keep good records? The IRS is also taking exception to some of the depreciation expense that Beyonce tried to claim, noting that she did not establish the cost basis of the assets. Again, this could be another documentation issue, or they could be arguing with the fact those assets maybe weren't depreciable to begin with. And establishing which assets qualify for depreciation and how much when you're self-employed is actually could be pretty complex. It's one of those things I like you have flashbacks to stuff that you learned from undergrad that you just blacked out on. And this Mm -hmm. is totally one of those things. I have lots of those things. This is I hated this. This was just it's overly complicated if we're being honest. All right. So what about the massive, massive disagreement that she's having with the IRS related to her charitable contributions? 
Well, charitable contribution deductions can also be tricky because there's different limits for how much an individual can deduct based on their own income and also based on the type of qualified organization that they made the donation to. Oftentimes, with non-cash property donations, there can be issues related to valuation, like how much is that property that you're contributing actually worth? Mm -hmm. So this is also another area where documentation is key. The IRS here is alleging that Beyonce failed to establish that the amounts were for qualified contributions and that they were actually paid during the year. Okay, so bottom line here is that the issues arising in Beyonce's audit seem on the surface to be fairly run-of-the-mill. Yes. Beyonce being audited also tracks based on who the IRS audits. If we look at data from the 2022 IRS data book, the IRS audited about 520,000 of the almost 154 million individual tax returns filed for the 2018 year. That's a whopping 0.3% of all individual returns being audited. Oof, that's the average rate. But the rate for taxpayers reporting over $10 million of taxable income, and we're assuming Queen B is in that group, that mm-hmm. rate is 9.2%, much, much higher than 0.3%. Yes. And I think that's what we would expect and, and want, to be honest, is a higher rate for higher income individuals. Totally agree. Although maybe as a wish, it might be nice if it was higher than just 9%. Yeah. The good news is those audits can yield additional tax collections. Looking at all of the audits that were closed in 2022, the IRS recommended an additional almost million dollars of tax for each of the returns of taxpayers reporting more than $10 million of income that it audited. And so you aggregate that all together and you get over $3 billion in additional recommended tax. And that's important because that's revenue that the government otherwise wouldn't have had. Right. The bad news, however, is twofold. First, those audits of higher income individuals are more time consuming. Mm. The Government Accountability Office estimated that the length of audits of taxpayers reporting more than $200,000 in income more than doubled over the past decade. Second bit of bad news is that about 24% of that recommended additional tax is not agreed to by the taxpayer at the close of the audit. So that means even though the IRS is coming in and saying, hey, I think you owe more, about 24% of that, the taxpayer saying, yeah, I don't think so. And that's really important because everyone, every taxpayer has the right, not just Queen Bee. Every taxpayer can choose not to agree with the IRS. Yes, but Queen Bee came to slay. We've talked a bit about how the IRS chooses tax returns to audit. So let's talk now about how the audit process works. So in general, high level, 50,000 feet. Okay. The IRS has three years after you file your return to quote, assess a deficiency. Yep. And that's what we call the statute of limitations. Beyonce's 2018 and 2019 returns are the ones in question here. Her 2018 return would have originally been due April, 2019. And that means that the IRS had until April, 2022, to assess a deficiency, which means come in and say, we think you owe additional tax. Mm -hmm. And the IRS can audit taxpayers in two ways. They can do a field audit or a correspondence audit. Either way, the process is going to start with the notice that you receive in the mail, not a text, not a phone call, not a carrier pigeon, definitely not anything on social media. No. It is going to be snail mail telling you that your return is being looked at. 
They also correct math errors and that is actually different than an audit. So you might receive a notice there and that's not even considered an audit. So those two types of audits that you talked about, let's break them down. Okay. A correspondence audit is exactly what it sounds like. It takes place through the mail. It's just maybe less like romantic than you might think correspondence. It's not like a a great love story between you and the IRS that you're- Probably not. Um, What happens is the IRS will send a letter requesting additional information. You send the information back and you hope that the whole thing is resolved fairly quickly. So the year that I forgot to report my home sale, I underwent a correspondence audit with the IRS. They sent me a letter. They asked me to fill out a form that I should have filled out in the first place and didn't and to provide some documentation. I sent it back and there was no additional tax assessed because I qualified for the home sale exclusion. Whole thing took one round of correspondence, easy peasy. A field audit is a little bit more intensive. It's conducted in person and they're reserved for more complicated cases and those where it'd be difficult for the taxpayer to provide all the required documentation via mail. The audit can happen at the IRS office, the taxpayer's home, or their place of business. So in either one of these audits, a field audit, correspondent audit, the agent can conclude the audit with no change to your tax liability. They Mm -hmm. can say you did everything right. That happened for about 12% of audits of 2018 returns that were closed during the 2022 year. Okay. Interestingly, that was the outcome for 48% of audited tax returns filed by those high income taxpayers with income over $10 million. Okay, that is interesting. The IRS can also propose a change to the taxpayer's liability, at which point the taxpayer can either agree to the change and pay additional tax owed, or they can disagree with the change. If the taxpayer disagrees, which is what Beyonce did, they then have 30 days to request an appeals conference. So the IRS appeals office is separate and independent from the exam and collection function of the IRS. And it's set up this way to provide an objective resolution path that does not favor the taxpayer or the government. And I think that this is pretty great because if you disagree with an agent who's part of the exam and collection team, you then get to appeal it. You get to take your case to someone who's independent from that person Mm -hmm. and less likely to just take their side because they work side by side every day. Right. The appeals process is basically in place to allow taxpayers to resolve disagreements fairly and without having to go to trial. And that's important because going to court can be costly for both the taxpayer and the IRS. But a taxpayer does not need to appeal before going to court. If you don't respond to the 30-day letter to either agree to the tax or request an appeals conference, you then get a 90-day letter from the IRS. This is also known as a notice of deficiency, and that letter gives you 90 days to either pay up or to petition in the U.S. tax court. And the latter is what Queen Bee did. She said, middle fingers up, put them hands ah. I'll see you in court. Well done. And Queen Bee was smart here because it turns out there are several advantages of going to tax court versus some other U.S. court. First, and probably most importantly, you don't have to pay the tax up front before going to tax court. But if you wanted to go to a different court, like a U.S. district court or court of federal claims, you first have to pay the tax and then you have to sue for a refund. And that just sounds terrible. It does, right? It sounds... Yeah. It's a loan to the government while you try to get your money back. Yeah. Another advantage of tax court is that about 85% of tax court cases are settled before going to trial. So when you petition in tax court, it's a strong signal that the taxpayer is serious about reducing or eliminating their tax assignment. Now, petitioning in tax court doesn't completely circumvent that IRS appeals office that we were talking about, though. That office is involved in evaluating cases for possible settlement. 
In April 2022, the chief of the appeals office wrote a memo documenting delays in holding taxpayer conferences and in settling cases. As of September 30th, 2022, the IRS appeals workload had almost 60,000 cases pending. Yikes. And things are not much better over in the office of the chief counsel, which among other things represents the IRS in litigation. So there, as of September 30th, 2022, the chief counsel had almost 40,000 cases pending with a total of almost $42 billion of taxes in dispute. So based on what we're saying here, it seems like Beyonce might be waiting, 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 waiting. (laughs) Well done. Time for a little good, bad, ugly, and I'm going to try to be serious. Mm. Say it's good that we have a formal appeals and litigation process in the United States. This is surprisingly mature stuff coming out of your mouth. I'm trying. Okay. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. The IRS is not all powerful. We actually have a taxpayer bill of rights in this country, and one of your rights is to appeal most of the IRS's decisions, including penalties, and the right to take your case to court. And who doesn't want their day in court? Exactly. And you said penalties, Mm -hmm. which reminds me that we didn't talk about penalties yet. Okay. So one of the things in this case that's pretty interesting is that Beyonce was assessed two penalties during her audit, equal to 20% of the amount of additional tax that she was assessed to owe. One of those penalties was for negligence Hmm. and one of those was for substantially understating her tax liability. 20% sounds pretty harsh, but it does. Beyonce can fight to have those waived as well. Yes. So not only can you fight to get out of your tax assessment, you can fight to get out of penalties, even if you don't get out of your tax assessment. So that's pretty nice. Mm -hmm. All right. So anything bad you want to talk about here? I mean, nothing really jumps out to me. You seem to want a higher audit rate for high income individuals. I do. Okay. But other, other than that, and we, we could, reasonable people, I think, could disagree over what the right audit rate should be. Other than that, it seems like everything is functioning as it probably should be. She's a high income, high wealth taxpayer, seemingly getting flagged for areas that are commonly challenging for everyday taxpayers. Nothing's too alarming about the fact that she's being audited. Um, The only bad I see here is as usual, uh, the IRS is overwhelmed with appeals and litigation. And so, you know, it could, it could take them a while to, uh, to sort this out with Queen B. Yes. And now I want to go back to another good thing. I don't know who you are. I'm, I'm racking them up today. And it's what we talked about is that because she can petition in U.S. tax court, she doesn't actually have to pay the tax right now. So she's not out over $2 million while waiting for the IRS to get their ish together and uh, settle up. Okay. I, I wouldn't have been too worried if she'd had to fork that over. I mean, $2 is a lot of money. So I'm just, I'm super positive today. So I'm not even going to try. Is there anything ugly you want to talk about or should we just wrap it up and go? Okay, I've, I've got an ugly thing. And, and it's just how much people fear audits and seemingly loathe the IRS. Okay, yes, that's a good one. And I, okay, so I'll pile on and say it's not just people, right? <laughs> like average people tend to really be afraid of the IRS. And then I'm kind of getting the suspicion of late that some politicians are kind of actively stoking that fear. I think you just called politicians not people. 100%, I, I did and I stand by it. 
I, I, I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was just calling it out <laughs> on the record. Not people, at least not normal, okay. not normal. Okay. Um, so you actually came across this article in Bloomberg from April, 2023, where they yeah. interviewed um, former IRS agents. It's and sad. Yeah. It's so sad. But a lot of these people asked to remain anonymous because they were afraid that if their names got out into the public, they would be the victim of online attacks. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, sad is the best word for it. These are people who were hardworking government employees, former auditors with the IRS, and they talked about how difficult their job was. They were often assigned returns that were thousands of pages long. They had to contend with high-priced advisors that were looking to pull the wool over their eyes. Um, and, you know, it, it's not like they were welcomed into people's homes or businesses to have a nice chat over what documentation they had for some of these deductions. No, and it, it really kind of stinks because when you think about it, IRS agents work for the government. Congress works for the government. Congress funds and oversees the IRS yep. you know, in some way. So it's basically your boss mm -hmm. hanging you out to dry, yep. which I, I think we've all experienced at one point in time and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Some of these agents actually talked about a lack of on-the-job training, flimsy technology, and let's be kind of understated and call it difficult interactions with taxpayers, some of whom would cry or curse at them. Mm -hmm. One agent actually quit the job because he thought he was going to have a heart attack and he called his time as an IRS agent the most stressful six months of his life. It's almost like being an IRS agent could break your soul. Well done. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses. 